Episode seven. This is Dan. Uh, my friend uh, Rael is currently out of uh, he's currently out of town right now with his family, so he's doing well. Uh, he really wanted to be here, but tonight uh, we got a really night. Nice, we got a really special guest. Uh, he, I've been friends with him almost, you know, long time already, eighteen, some some odd years already in counting. Uh, he is one of the. Um, my opinion, he's one of the OGs, like originals, um, OGs from Nike Talk, uh, and and I'm just fortunate that he also became a good friend, uh, and to this day, like he is, a, you know, he's a good person. Got a, got a kind heart, and he has a lot of stories to to tell us today. Um, you know about his journey, about where he is now in his in his life. Uh, tonight we have our friend Kevin Bailey, aka Eyes of Hazel of Nike Talk. How you doing tonight, uh, Kevin? Yes, sir, man. Good evening, man. I'm so honored and privileged to be a part of the Daniel and RJ Machismo podcast. Um, before you guys blow up and go on ESPN and Fox and so forth, oh. um, I can say I was here at the very beginning, and um, I know you guys are going to do great things. And I'm so glad to be part of the infancy and, and the very beginning of something that's going to be absolutely wonderful and great for years to come. So thank you guys for inviting me. Thank you guys for what you all are doing because um, it's not going to be like every other podcast. I know that already. So um, congratulations in advance for all of your success. Oh, thank you so much. So, you know, I had to wear the number seven. It's not a Joe Theismann. It's a Dwayne Haskins jersey, you know, with the whole – and, you know, we can touch the, with the whole name thing with Kevin. He's a diehard DMV sports guy. We, mm-hmm. we banter about sports every day. Every, like, every – we're like – we're like Sports Center, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not like we're like undisputed with Skip and you know Shannon Sharp, so you know it's all in good fun. So uh, a nice icebreaker, Kevin. Uh, tell us more about you yourself. Wow, man! Just to be uh, very short, not so long-winded. Um, I am originally from Washington D.C., born and raised in George Washington Hospital, uh, May 16th, 1980. Um, I am a product of. Um, neighbors <laughs> who um, became my parents and um, being a part of the city. Um, a lot of my aunts and uncles uh, lived on that same block, the 500 block of Shepherd Street in Northwest. So that block um, in DC has a whole lot of history because um, I guess everyone went to the same school, same high schools, lived right beside each other. So a lot of people hooked up and I was a part of that and all my cousins and everything. So um, it's just interesting how that went down. And that was just the city thing, I assume. Um, but currently, I'm living in Richmond, Virginia, for the simple fact that um, it got a point into which the cost of living in D.C. I thought was way too much. Um, so I can easily just go right up or down 95, hour and a half with no traffic, two hours with traffic, and be right back down here. Um, I have a wife and a daughter. Um, I have uh, been married. Um, it will be, uh, gosh, how many years? 16 years wow. um, in, in a few weeks. And we've been together 21 years in oh, a few weeks. Congratulations. A daughter that will be 12 years old. She's 12 years old now, I'm sorry. She will be 13 um, in October. Um, but um, the reason I came to Richmond is to go to Virginia Commonwealth University. I was a freshman back in 1998. And um, c- coming to the city, um, it was different than D.C. I wanted something that was like D.C., but not as fast as D.C. And Richmond was perfect, and it's still perfect for me now. Um, so that's the reason why I'm here in Richmond. And um, as many times I tried to leave Richmond, um, VCU and other employers um, made sure that I stayed. So I'm still here to this day and I'm just enjoying um, the Southern hospitality here. Um, it has its issues like everywhere else, but it's just a lot slower here still with the city atmosphere. So it's not as crazy getting sneakers. It's not as crazy going to 
a Walmart, um, like the DC area. Like I have eight Walmarts within a three mile radius, four mile radius of wow. my house. If I live in DC, I have to either go to either Georgia Avenue, Laurel, or Branch Avenue, which is a half an hour either way you go. So it's like the craziness with the traffic and everything isn't bad down here. So I would say I love Richmond, Virginia, all this Carter Confederacy and we have our issues now um, with statues and everything else. But um, this is my home. It's been my home since 98. So I'm not one of the people that walk around and say, well, I'm from New York or I'm from DC. I'm like, well, how long have you been in Richmond? Uh, 25 years. No, you've been in a place for 15, 20 years. You might as well wouldn't claim that place. I'm one of the people that I claim Richmond, but people know the way I walk, the way I talk, what I wear. They, you can see easily where I'm from, and I'm definitely from uptown DC, no question. I represent that, you know, until I die, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, um, it's nice that you still remember where you came from, especially you're from, you know, DC, and you rep, you know, of course, like where you are now in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, first and foremost, how's, how's everything with your family? You guys doing well, uh, staying safe over there in, uh, in your area? Always, man. Just um, the God be the glory. Um, I just kind of follow the Holy Spirit and, and kind of have him direct things. But for the most part, man, um, outside of just the lack of socialization, when you have a preteen who is into cheerleading and soccer um, and extracurricular activities, coding and so forth, and not being able to do that with her peers, I think it's a very critical time for my daughter and for other preteens out there and around the world. So I'm concerned about that, particularly with the younger kids like um, your son and folks who are between pre-K and, and second grade, like those skills you have with um, conflict mediation, communication, um, even your body language and so forth. You learn those skills now um, at really the most opportune times when you don't really think that you're learning a whole lot. And a lot of um, children are not going to experience that. So I'm very concerned about that. So I got to be in prayer about that. But outside of that, man, as far as safety and so forth, um, we are doing extremely well. And everyone I'm connected to or know, including yourself, are doing well as well. So I'm very happy about that. Oh, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Like I said, you know, Kevin, you know, you have a very beautiful family, you know, love your, um, you know, and your, I'm glad your, your family is doing well. So good to hear about that. Um, so the good part, uh, my next question for you, um, and uh, part of the reason, like not, not the, the part of the reason, but we want to know like, what you got into sneakers. Gotcha. Um, I'm like everyone else, man, from our era, if you will. I am a product of um, when I was born and where I was born um, and the era I was born in. And that's as simple as that. So um, I can tell you, um, during a Reagan era, it's got Reaganomics, a lot of things that people now historically read about or see about or see documentaries on as far as DC in the 80s, um, I was right in the thick of it. I lived that. And I can tell you that um, between having um, my dad who had 12 other brothers and sisters. So I had, you know, God be the glory to a couple of my aunts and uncles that have passed away, but um, I had 12 other aunts and uncles who were all between one to three years apart, um, all lived on that same block. So, um, and all of them were athletically inclined. So I had aunts who played basketball. I had, you know, my dad ran track, my uncles ran track. So um, they had to wear something and, and, and that's where it all came from. And then um, my aunt was really huge on just just being clean, you know what I'm saying? She, as far as being clean, as far as the sneakers being clean. And then as I got older, elementary school, junior high school, being where I was from in the inner city, man, um, the hustler showed you what was what. And um, just wow at, at just some of the, the footwear these guys would have on. And it was just mesmerizing to just see, okay, I got my pro rings on, but what is that? And then 
when you correlate that with Nike killing the game, Reebok killing the game at that time as far as the advertising of things. So you get to actually see the incredible marketing campaigns um, behind some of these shoes with the athletes. That's where it all came from. So believe it or not, I'm from a great era because even to this day, the stuff from that era between the 80s and the 90s is still being retro now. People still talk about it now. People still YouTube those videos now. So I was a part of a critical and historical era with sneaker culture and the culture in general. So I'm a product of that. So it's simple as that, man. It's being where I'm from. And if I was from Cali in the 70s, I would probably be on Vans and, and Pumas or something different, you know what I mean? But um, being from D.C., man, it was all about not necessarily just Nike at that time, but um, once Jordan came through, once Dominique came through, once Sean Kemp came through, once Shaq came through, once Penny came through, and then the design of these sneakers were just like works of art. Even now, if you look at the Penny 1, you look at the Jordan 11, if you look at um, the SE Trainer, the original ones, those were actually works of art. It was more than just putting on a shoe for you to go to the gym and go play basketball, go just go play tennis, man. So um, that's where my foundation came from was when um, shoes became art and people started to wear them like art. So um, the whole Hugo Boss with 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 the, with the crease jeans and, and then with the shoes being fresh and all of that, um, that's just a product of DC. So no matter where you was from, whether you were going to the carry out or going to the club or going to school, um, people were clean and clean, clean and fresh. So it doesn't matter if you had on Nikes or Etonics or British Knights or Felis or Adidas, like whatever, as long as you were fresh and clean, you were good. And a lot of us there had, um, I won't say we were poor, um, but I will say that um, it was very limited funds at that time. So the whole rule was whatever you wore on Friday, you didn't wear it on Monday. As long as you didn't do that, you were fine. A lot of us just had six shirts, you know, four jeans, you know, one pair of shoes and we made it work. So that was the whole rule. Whatever you want Friday to school or Friday going out or whatever, don't wear it on Monday. That was the only rule in the hood. After that, man, it was fair game. As long as everything was clean, um, you were good to go. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. Like you got that certain like uh, way of rotating like your, you know, gear. Cause you know, like, like, like you said, like nobody had, nobody's work. Nobody had like, what well, nobody was working during that time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like, when we were kids, we would save up our lunch money or like when it's you know, like almost back to school, we get that one shoe where like we ask our parents, like, you know, can I get this shoe? This will be my everyday shoe kind of thing. So, I, for, you know, kind of like you feel like you have that one shoe that you can wear to school and then maybe like towards like a birthday or Christmas or like you do something well in like school, you know, like, like, like a reward you get those you added go. bonus shoes, right? So we kind of like felt a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's nice. It's really nice just looking back, like what got it. So like, what was your first, can you recall, like what was your first pair of sneakers that you bought for yourself or what would, you know, the sneakers that, that was given to you? Wow, um, I can tell you now, um, I guess there's four different occasions I could think of. Okay. Um, 1987. Um, was my first day in first grade. My parents unfortunately divorced. So I lived in Virginia Beach for a couple of years um, as my dad was military, so he was stationed in Norfolk. And then I had to move back to DC because that's where all my family was from. My dad was still, you know, going overseas and so forth. So my parents were moved back to DC and um, it was my kindergarten year. And unfortunately the school was overcrowded um, for kindergarten. So I had to go to another school that was outside of my neighborhood for a couple months because I moved like to DC like it was like in, in March or something like crazy like that. So um, I don't recall too much about that time, but I do recall when I was finally able to go to my neighborhood school in first grade, um, we went to PG Plaza 
which is now the Mall of Prince George at, at the time, but now it's called that. And um, the Air Max One Eighty Seven um, was my first day, first first day of school shoe, if you want, going into first grade. And that red and that gray, um, I, I can tell you, I thought I was walking on air, literally. And um, back in D.C. in that time, man, um, even if it was just the first two or three days, those first two or three days of school were critical for your self-esteem and so forth because everyone was fresh those first two or three days even that first full week of school what you were in the first day of school and i remember man those air max 87s i just i saw the shoe and foot lockers flock was looked like a foot locker literally looked like a locker and it had the circle of shoes in the middle of the aisle and it had the basketball court with, with the with the uh, score on on the register like it was old school like that man i remember it was right beside woolworth and um yeah man so air max 87 was my first um, day of school shoe, um, first grade. And then I remember second grade, I don't remember that much. I remember third grade, um, the Air Max 90, the original white, black, and, and royal or light blue, if you will, was my first day's shoe. So my mom was very um, consistent on making sure I was fresh the first day of school and us going to PG Plaza for me to get my shoe. Uh, so those were two monumental moments as far as with me and with Nike, because I was a fan of a whole lot of brands. Because again, where I was from, as long as it was clean and it was nice, People weren't on, well, we just wearing this brand only. But yeah, those are the two shoes um, as far as me being a kid that really, really cemented something in me that I didn't know was there. Um, and the shoe that really did it was the Air Jordan 6. And I was not a Jordan fan at all growing up. I was a Washington Bullets fan, of course, and we were sorry as hell in the Capitol Center. So I became, I became a Knicks fan because I knew the Knicks had an opportunity, possibly, especially when Pat Riley got there, to finally knock Mike and the Knicks off. So that's why I became a Knicks fan um, in congruence of being with a, a Bullets fan. Um, but that Air Jordan 6 was undeniable. That was the first time I saw a shoe, that black and that infrared with those two holes in the tongue. And I could tell you to this day, um, my mouth dropped. And um, of course I couldn't afford the doggone shoe, but you see it on everybody's feet. You see it on Chi Ali's album cover and and I was a huge Chiali fan at the time and I'm just like this dude wearing this Buffalo State you know sweater with the Jordan sixes and the tongue was so long he had to cuff this jeans in so that you could tell that I was like oh my like what's going on right now and I never forget um this is so old school but during my sixth grade graduation as we had a sixth grade graduation going from elementary school to junior high school mm -hmm. um we went on a trip to Atlanta the whole entire class parents teachers chaperones like the whole neighborhood almost went to a trip to Atlanta and you're talking about city kids never gone to where you know, not much far outside of Prince George's Plaza or Silver Spring and that was it and um I came back and my uncle was like yo the sevens are out and he just gave me a sixes and um it's ironic because at that time um during that trip was the summertime and the Lakers were actually playing the Bulls in that series when I came back it was it was the last game of that series. I knew they they were going to win that series, and he gave me those shoes the day after, and they were used. They were probably I would say two sizes bigger if I had to say, because he was probably a ten and a half, and I was probably eight at the time. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about fine put socks in the top of them shoes and wore them joints, and that was it. So that Jordan Six infrared is everything to me. As far as the shoe I paid for my, my own funds, I can tell you, um, freshman year. East Bay catalog, freshman year of VCU, um, the white and black um, 13 went on sale for $99.99. And I, 
I made that phone call and it still had my size and they were delivered two days later for $99.99 shipped. It wouldn't, the lady forgot to even charge me tax. So that was the first year I remember vividly um, my freshman year with my funds. Of course, I got stuff here and there. Um, and I can tell you also, um, I never forget my summer of my freshman year at VCU going into my sophomore year, um, just walked in the Foot Locker and they had the all black um, Air Foam Pods and Max Duncans for like $39.99. They had one shoe, I guess, in the back. Someone was holding or something, but they put it on display and it charged for $39.99. And I remember um, that summer of 99 wearing those with my uh, racing jacket, I guess. Um, who was the racing car guy who had the um, DuPont jacket? And that was my favorite driver. So forgive me because I'm kind of Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon. Yes, I had, I had my I had my Jeff Gordon jacket and those phone pods, and that was it, man. But yeah, but the Jordan Six is um, the shoe for me that let me know that this is about not only athletically, but the best player in the world who I can't stand has these shoes on. But they were a piece of art until this day. That Jordan Six infrared. So going back into the history of things, I can tell you, my wife would tell you too, when the pictures dropped on Nike Park and then on Nike Talk as far as that Air Jordan 6 with the sample, um, I really couldn't sleep. So when the release date finally came out of August 23rd of 2000, remember like yesterday, that entire month of March, I probably got maybe an hour sleep a night anticipating that shoe. Um, and I was working at Finish Line and Foot Locker simultaneously. Don't ask me how, but I got that done at two different malls. And 823 came, six o'clock in the morning. I can tell you, um, to this day, getting that shoe with Jordan's uh, face on the box in silver and opening that shoe and getting that smell and that Air Jordan 6 still does it for me to this day. So with this last retro that came out, I thought it had its issues. Um, but at the same time, 2000s break down on you now. You no, know, the suede would crack and bleed and, and just go fall apart. So um, having the opportunity to get that shoe again last February, um, again, that Jordan 6. Um, it's everything to me um, as far as, again, just like, wow, like a player I can't stand because he's so good, but something about this shoe, and it's always stable to this day. So the Air Jordan 6 infrared is everything to me, but the two Air Maxes, um, yeah, those were the shoes that, that, that were implanted with me from my mom without me even knowing how important it was. And when I think about those shoes, I think about just um, how fortunate I was, how fortunate all the other kids were too, because I was in a neighborhood in which people would chip in and make sure people were fresh the first day of school because I'm telling you, man, that first day of school in a, in a hood, it could make you or break you, man. I didn't realize how much that was important, not only our self-esteem, but our development because people that weren't fresh that first day of school, man, they had to deal with just damage of, of, of feeling sad and feeling, you know, like they weren't worthy and all kinds of things that were associated with material stuff that we didn't know no better at the time. But um, yeah, man, I thank my mom for those, those Air Max 1 and that Air Max 90, man. But Jordan Six, man, that's the one. Shout out to mom. mom. Mom made it happen for you and family members too, you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know how because they were the minimum wages were like 450. I don't see how she was able to get me, but she made it happen. And again, like you said, I had to get a new pair of shoes again until probably Easter or not even Christmas. So I made sure even now, you know, all of us are doing well as far as salary and so forth, but I'm still toothbrush and spray or whatever because that's my foundation of whatever you got, you make sure you took care of it until it literally fell apart. So, um, cause you wouldn't get anything else until the following year. Right, so, right. Um, so, so, I mean, I know p pushing and said a few times in his raps as far as wearing stuff once and giving away a thumb, like even if I made a million dollars a day, I probably would never do that. Cause my foundation is once you got something took care of it. So my yeah. wife always gets on me about 
the accumulation stuff that I have, whether it's sweatsuits or shoes. I'm like, when I get something, you know, I maintain it and I keep it. So it's just years and years. Like I got stuff to maybe be maybe 15, 20 years old now that I still wear or still have because I still take care of it. So it comes from me, I guess I won't say having that fear, but that foundation of saying, hey, once you got something, you worked hard for it and you maintain it. And that's what it's always been with me. So definitely. Yeah, you know, it's, that's great that uh, you have a, a lot of history with shoes and how, how, you know, how shoes were sentimental to you and it brought you back to your childhood, especially it connected with your, with your mom, your family members, friends, school, and, you know, and then eventually, you know, like you hated Jordan, which I didn't know, and I didn't know you were a Knicks fan. Um, yeah, it's, it's great that that, that Jordan shoe just intertwined everything, you know, like the history of the shoe and then the fact that you worked two shoe, you know, two shoe stores during that time and find the day that you got the shoe. Um, I even remember there was a, you know, so when we were all that active on Nike talk on the DMV thread, I think there was like a, there was like a, a story, not a, maybe like a thread about your favorite shoes. You type, you know, you were very passionate. I remember you typed something about your, you know, Jordan sixes and that, God willing, something he passed away that you want to get buried in them, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So I still, I still remember that. So shout out, you know, the sixes. That's still true till to this day. <laughs> Find <laughs> a pair of six, please, and and let me corrode and and at six, please. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, you know, that's a nice segue. So uh, you know, Nike Talk is uh, you know, as people don't know about Nike Talk, Nike Talk is one of the you know, biggest shoe forums, I, in my opinion, in the world, next more, more, much larger than Soul Collector or whatever, you know, shoe site that you can think of. Um, you know, we've all been members, like, all, all, you know, long time since Nike Park days. Uh, and, you know, and we know that you're one of the original members of Nike Talk since 1999. Um, if you want to explain, like, how, in, how impacted you as a person and what opportunities it presented for you. Definitely. No question. Um, I can tell you, um, this is pre-social media day. So Nike Talk was basically our social media at the end of the day. Um, Nike Talk gave me opportunity to be um, amongst my peers who at that time we all were seen or viewed as freaks or weirdos because, um, of course, we're in a nation in which um, you can't be barefooted when you go outside. So unlike collecting sports cards or collecting coins, um, you gotta wear shoes. You have to wear shoes in order to go to church, to go to work, so forth. So um, a lot of people thought we took away overboard and I had thousands of people who were just like me. And at that time it was kind of rare because you gotta think this was even before a lot of things we have now that are free. So outside of getting snail mail letters or having a high phone bill, you weren't able to really connect with people um, of a like mind. So. Nike Talk became that spot in which the evolution of technology really started to kick off in which information, um, your thoughts, your opinions, and just the influence that we had. A lot of things went on that Nike won't admit to this day um, because of Nike Talk and its influence. So a lot of the sites that you, um, people that are listening to are familiar with or they frequent with um, saying no names, trust me, they got their DNA from Nike Talk somehow, some way. Nike Talk was the first. So if you look at hip hop and you wanna talk about um, Def Jam, um, for example. So everyone for the most part, no matter what coach you're from or so, so, so forth, when Rick Rubin and when um, 
Russell Simmons came in the game, things kind of changed for everybody everywhere for the rest of the history of hip hop. Think of Nike talking that way in which Nelson and Method Man, I believe his real name is Alex. I'm not sure because he's very, very discreet, but I would say Method Man and Nelson, the co-founders of Nike Talk, um, they brought this thing in in which they gave everyone an avenue and opportunity to be creative and explore. So any site you go to now that maybe buy, sell, trade, or maybe a message board, or may share information, all that came from the embassy of Nike Talk. So um, given a lot of people have stolen Nelson's style, stolen Method Man's style, um, Method Man, again, being the screen name of one of the co-founders, if anyone's confused. Um, it's unfortunate because um, if we had a Hall of Fame or any kind of award show where they should get some kind of Lifetime Achievement Award, um, them two should get it. Um, because I, I'm telling you, a lot of sites, um, again, I would just say that Nelson is, is the grandfather of this thing. And I didn't realize it would spread out as much as it has. Um, but the evolution of the internet with now um, Instagram and so forth, Nike Talk started or was a part or was the infrastructure of all of this. So it reminds me of a quote one point um, with Tupac um, and even uh, Kendrick even had it in his um, Butterfly album when Tupac said, you know, I may not um, be the person that sparks the person that's going to change this world. Um, but my voice, if I'm not the person going to spark the world, I'm going to be the voice or I'm going to be the reason why I'm going to be the foundation of someone that's going to spark the world. And that's how I see Nike talk um, overall. So um, as far as the camaraderie, the fellowship, the connections, you talk about a time in which it wasn't about greed. It wasn't about um, bulk buying. It was about everyone kind of helping each other out. Yes, we still had our issues. We still had our personalities. We still had our frauds here and there. But the frauds, literally, we would see who lived where and people would knock on people's doors like, yo, you took my man's money. And not on some like gangster gonna kill you thing, but yo, you took my man's money, five of us are out here. You want us to get, get, get the cops, just do what's right, man. You're gonna mess the community. Like that's how things kind of went. And that sounds so old school now, but that's what Nike Talk did. So when it first opened 1999, I was skeptical because I was a Nike Park fan. People know who Nike Park was. Nike Park was another message board, but because of its lack of um, control and its lack of having authoritative figures that will have rules and regulations, um, it just got overwhelmed with um, porn and a whole bunch of foolishness. Um, so it kind of went down. So I was skeptical about Nike Talk because I wasn't sure if they had a hidden, hidden agenda what was going on. So I didn't actually join officially until October the, the, the 11th, I believe, or 13th of 2000. So when it first opened up in December of 99, I kind of stayed around in the wings, just kind of just browsed it for a while to make sure because I was so hurt and a little bit of damage was done. And I was a little bit kind of, I would say defensive, if you will, with what happened with Nike Park. So I thought they had something really good going and a couple of fools kind of just messed things up with viruses and all kind of stuff that was going on back in then and the people being very intentional and malicious about um, just being hateful. So um, I joined 2000 in Nike Talk. And from that point, um, I wanted to make sure I had an identity. And I, made, I was very strategic about my screen name, about what I did, about what I said. Um, I was a fool back then for a reason. It was almost like if you was a part of WWE and you had the opportunity to um, be your own character and write your own storyline. That's how I kind of viewed Nike talk and how I viewed things. Um, so I was all about building a community, all about being a leader, because um, I didn't have the opportunity. I always, always wanted to, but I never had the opportunity where, where I was from my neighborhood, man. There was always so much drama in my neighborhood. So I wanted to make sure things were drama to a certain extent, but always um, in a spot in which it was positive, it was love, people you know, would help people out, 
information was disseminated um, and, and that's what it was. So I was with the people that were of a like mind and we all teamed up, got together, for the release came out. But I had you, if I had a discount, it was yours. Like it was really a community. It was almost like, if you will, the best church in the world. Um, but sneakers was our God. <laughs> if you want to say that, I ain't saying that, but that's exactly what <laughs> that's, it was. That's, that's a good analogy. About, you talking about the fellowship and the communion and, 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 and the meetings, everything, man, was was so God and, and, and church-like, man, you would not believe back in the day. But um, that's what Nike Talk was. And although with the evolution of things, it's kind of um, gone down a little bit because so many people have stolen their style and so forth and have gone. And with the new generations, they haven't. I was a part of the last generation, I think you and I, Dan, in which we were forced to know what the foundation was. So you may be a Dom Kennedy fan, but you had an uncle or older cousin like, yo, you got to go listen to Trap. You got to go listen to Run DMC. You got to go listen to DJ Quickly. You had to be familiar with your history. Now, I think even with evolution of the internet and people have access to everything now, they don't want to research anything. So I never got that in which you got Google, you got Wikipedia, you got all these sites that you could be an expert on anything in that, basically in a week. And people don't want to do it. I, I don't understand that. So um, that's what's going on now for a lot of the uh, generation now um, that just hop on one thing and they don't have a history. And the history is right there in front of them. And Nike Talk is that history. So I tell everyone, if you have any chance to kind of join the site or kind of peep the site, it looks old school now. I think Nelson do that intentionally to make sure um, it keeps its roots. Um, but Nike Talk was that place that spiraled what you enjoy now in a sneaker community, whether it's in, in a store, online, face-to-face, -face, Nike Talk started all of that in some way, shape, or form. It all spiraled through Nike Talk. Yep, I agree. Especially uh, when they did like the, you know, the, the regional forums when they separated, because remember, it was just one general forum, right? Where like all these summits were all being planned out. And then, you know, when Nelson and, and Method Man, they were able to, you know, sort it out, you know what, let's just do it, you know, geographically. You know, we'll get the Southeast, Northwest, DMV, SoCal, NorCal. I think it was great. They even had, like, Asia, Philippines, you know what I mean, so on and so forth. Uh, and, you know, that's great. And then, you know, uh, even, like, the, the, like the, uh, the, the, like the, the slang, you know, wallet breakers. Tap, tap, pull, pull, mm. you know, those type of things, you know, like and those emojis. DS, you know I mean? undS, you know what I mean? Who knows DS, yeah. all, all, all that came from us. I mean, honestly, it did. So, yeah. Wallet um, breaker. People don't know what wallet breaker means that, you know, you broke you breaking necks. Period. And you broke your wallet as well. Broke your wallet to too. You paid, a, you paid a penny, man. <laughs> I had to get them. It's a wallet breaker. And you mentioned something about the Philippines as well, and I wanted to say that Nike Talk was instrumental in uh, information being international. So between yeah. Nike Talk and eBay, you started to get um, solid information and consistency on releases and things that were sent overseas that didn't come to the States and um, have the opportunity to uh, communicate with and, and you know befriend folks overseas who had no harm saying, hey, that shoe been sitting over there for six months. I'll walk over there and get it right now, as yeah. long as we want to pay the shipping for it. So yeah. um, that was one of my things that really was an eye-opener, too, of how many things, particularly with runners, that will go overseas and sit. Mm -hmm. And um, and and then, again, it was, wasn't that much fraud, that, and people were just all about helping. So just having friends in, in, in Japan and in Philippines and in Germany, and it was just insane um, stuff that came through um, my college dorms during that, that time from overseas. So thanks, Nike Talk, for that as well. 
That's great, man. Yeah, like I said, it's great that we continue to like network. Uh, to this day, like you know, it's all about networking and then mm-hmm. who you know because you won't get far with it. Uh, so another question that relates to Nike Talk: um, What's your fondest memories of like the infamous like Nike Talk summits and uh, you know those basketball summits were one of the best meetings, like in my opinion. And you know you were one of the co-founders or originators that made it happen. So if you want to just you know talk more about it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, one thing I learned from Nelson and from Method Man was that um, no matter what group you're in, um, I hate to say someone has to take lead, but someone has to have the skills in order to um, be a leader in the fact of organization as far as being timely, um, as far as knowing how to get people together and how to listen to other people and get the input in. And that's the reason why you have um, great managers out here and you have bad supervisors. And I always wanted to be a good manager um, as far as once they actually, as you said, um, made the site a little bit more um, decentralized, if you will, centralized or decentralized with the regional forms. And I thought that for some reason, um, I was kind of given the torch, given you know how I was, how vocal I was and how active I was on, on the site to kind of take that on. So as far as putting up a flyer and putting the, the times and the dates and getting everyone's input on a place, seemed like I was a person that people were following, listen to, because they knew that I was a person that kind of kept my word and I wasn't about a whole bunch of BS and that just kind of developed. That wasn't something that I was planning to have, but I was like, forget it. I mean, whatever, it's for my people. And that's basically what it came down to. So um, with us getting together as far as with meetups or um, playing basketball or, or all that kind of thing, man, so, someone had to take the reins because you already know if you have 50 or 60 people giving their opinions and no one is saying, okay, fine, you know, here's the gavel, bang the gavel, this is what we're going to do because of the votes or because of this is what I hear people saying. You got to have someone to organize all, all, all of that or it'll just be chaos, you, you know, throughout. So I took pride in um, doing it because that's a skill that I still have to this day, man. I realized how attentive, how analytical um, I am and, and, and was back then. But again, Nike Talk developed those skills or at least let me know what my purpose or what my skill set was. A lot of people aren't like that, but they're really good at doing other things. Um, me being anal attentive and being timely and being organized, that's a strength of mine. And Nike Talk gave me the opportunity to be me um, and also um, benefit from it and also have other folks benefit from it from us just collaborating. So that's all it was, man, which is hearing the voice of everyone, us posting every two minutes or every two seconds about what was going on, about what people wanted to do. Pick a time, pick a place, we'll be there. And I'll tell you, man, our first couple of meetups, I was just shocked because I started to realize, okay, fine, now you have an influence. You have to be very strategic, very careful, um, and very cognizant of your influence. And that was with Nike Talk as well. So before I became a husband or before I became you know, a dad, Nike Talk kind of prepped me to say that, hey, you have a responsibility and you need to be um, very careful about your responsibility as far as to your people. So again, Nike Talk developed those skills. I didn't know that I was even developing and that was, I'm, I'm thankful for that as well. So that's all that was, man, was um, just giving that torch and then know I had a torch and, and being careful and, and consistent with it and being caring about it. So that's all it was, man. It's just, you know, got to bring it by together. Uh, that's great, man. Yeah, those are fun. Uh, I remember the first time I met you, I think it was uh, Arundel Mills. I think that was like, I think maybe that was the, the first yeah. summit that you mm-hmm. coordinated. I uh, remember it was like me, I, it was right, uh, my, my, my friend Ralph, who's my co-host um, and his friend, we actually went up there 
and you know they knew what Nike Talk was. I was like, yeah, like let's just check it out. This is like, you know, these two uh, you know sneaker collectors, and they're from the area. You know, it's it's kind of like a like a get you know get to know each other. So I remember we were we must have may have met at the food court, that big food yeah. court at uh, Arundel Mills. Mm-hmm. And then I knew I already knew like you can just tell like you know who you were, and we knew each other like are you are you uh, Isaac Hazel or are you uh, Rock's Finest or Mighty Sharp, you know what I mean? Like we kind of all right, so I think you put the screen name with the face. All right, that's cool. So this is who you are, kind of thing. And I will never forget what I wore. Um, that day, I wore the game worn upper deck, um, blue alternative autographed Penny Hardaway authentic game worn jersey. Um, even with the sticker with with with, with the authenticity sticker on 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 the, on the one on the back with this autograph, and I wore the original um, foam posit ones. I never forget I wore that. And the thing is, people probably think it's kind of crazy now. I think going into a mall and then you see it between forty to sixty dudes, fresh to death, all together, like just walking around in an outlet mall, and you like, okay, who are those dudes? What are they doing? So everyone's looking just yeah. like. Are they a group or are they they're like not, they're not celebrities? Yeah, they're not a gang because they don't look like they're about to start any trouble, but they they're they're dressed like what was going on? So everyone's looking at us like we were crazy, but we was like, Yeah, that was that was a fun day. But getting the looks that we were getting, everyone's kinda like, Okay, so who are they? Like, are they like, yeah, what who are they? And that's that's what I remember the most about the day. But I remember exactly what I wore. Like I said, I'll go through my hard drives and a couple of my old memory cards around here. And I would definitely see the pit pictures. I still have the pit, pit pictures of um that day and a lot of our summits, man. And you got to think, gosh, what year was that? Um, that was two thousand and three. So I never forget because I bought that. I bought my white Corolla. I bought my very first car. It was a white Corolla, two thousand three. It was a five speed, and that was the first trip that the first road trip that it had, going from Richmond to VCU to going to a Rondo Mill. So it had. 50 miles on it. So I was so hyped. I had my new car. I had my fresh phone pods on. I had my penny jersey that was like as long went down to my knees at that time, but it, it was a game on, so it ain't, it ain't matter. And man, you're talking about, I remember my playlist because back then, you know, it wasn't, you know, the iPods were just starting to come about. But as far as in your cars, you had to have, you know, the CD changer. So I had my top six CDs in a CD changer. <laughs> I and remember going, that. Yeah. So, so just going down 95 and hitting 295, man, you're talking about. Um, I can tell you the soundtrack for that day, man. It was a lovely day. We had the sun. I had a sunroof. I always wanted to call it summer. I had a sunroof, and it was summertime, but it was such a nice day, which the windows were down. Never forget the windows were down. Sunroof was open, so we were basically cruising down 95 to 295 coming that summer, and it was just a wonderful day. Um, top from top to bottom, from beginning to end, it was a great day. Yeah, I remember the. the I remember what I wore too. Um, it was a Miami. That was during the the Jersey era. So mm-hmm. I wore a Miami Heat authentic home Karan Butler jersey, and then I wore my 2001 like Black Cement threes. Yeah, Karan, Karan was your man. I never forget that. You Karan remember Butler that? Was your dude. Yep. And then when he came to to the Wizards, I was like, oh boy, it, it's a done deal now. Because <laughs> Karan was your man since his rookie yeah, yeah. year. He was with Miami, yep. definitely. Yeah. You like him? You, you like you like him in Connecticut? That's how I knew you was. Yeah, yeah, Butler, UConn, yeah I remember. Yep. Yep. yep, and then yeah, like um, you remember the guy too that wore I forgot was I, I forgot his name. He wore those mismatched like Jordan Fours. Fours, yep, yep. I still got the fifth picture. Yeah, um, was that um, gosh, don't worry, hey, my gosh, she's gonna kill me. That I think that was Pat because Pat hit me up a couple of I months. I think that's ago. him. Yeah, yeah, that that's Pat. Yeah, because because Pat Pat is still fresh. Pat is so yeah, he had on 
on the, the left foot was a 1999 um, cement four, and on the right foot it was um, the white cement four in 1999. Yeah. Both of them dead dead stocks. He wore mismatched shoes, dead dead stock. One black four, one white four. Um, yeah. yeah. So he <laughs> was, was like, yeah, that was like when I saw them all, like, what, like. Are you allowed? You know, are you allowed to wear that? Like I, that, that was never, that was not called. You know, that was unheard of back then. Yeah, that's Pat all the way, man. And I was like, dude, I'm like, you really gonna undes your '99s in this fashion? Like, yes. Yeah, so I'm like, you want to wear with the Nike shoes. tags on? With the Nike yeah, tags on? Exactly. Yep. 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 Sure yeah. did. And you remember, um, Topside Lover too, right? He did roll out there mm -hmm. like super late. The real Super. was a funny dude, man. Such a funny dude. Yeah. Tommy had on, I never forget the Saints jersey with the um Dion's because he had a gold Saturn at the time and yep. he, he 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 had he had the jersey to match the car and it was yeah, so and he had a do rag on Tommy with a do do rag on. Now him and I both dying to get our hair back, but I never forget yeah, it was some interesting outfits that were legendary at that time that um when our kids turn eighteen, I'm gonna send a couple of pictures left know, hey, this is your dad. <laughs> Back in 2003, so you could see what, what our style wow. was back then. Yeah. And remember Will, aka uh, ROC's finest. He was wearing mm -hmm. the, um, well, what did he wear? Uh, he wore a jersey and then those Air Dirties. Jerseys, yep. I remember those Air Dirties, yep, because those those were going for, at that time, an astronomical amount, about 500 If you were lucky, they were $500. I never forget, I was like, that's the first time I saw those live, and that was when Nelly was just on top of yep. the world. So that Barkley shoe um, at that time was probably, top five as far as hype or or demand at that time yeah um yeah that red white and blue um barkley was out of this world definitely yeah man, that was good good memories man shout out to tommy too you know he's uh yeah. i know he's doing well out there in new york with his family definitely definitely um, so yeah like i said nike talk is a big staple in everybody's like you know past uh and to this day i still log on it's you know just yeah. in the same here, but that, it's not the same just, anymore. But just to look, yeah. I mean, times change, people change, and you got to think once people keep taking elements of your DNA and going elsewhere. Um, you have generations that will grow up not knowing the foundation, so they tag on to those things, thinking those were the original, those were the first. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we're in a generation in the era now which no one likes to give homage to where they got their stuff from, they just steal it and take it as the, it's theirs and let it just, just, just grow from there. And that's what's gone on the past, I'll say, 10 years. Um, so that's what's gone on. So now Nike Talk is starting to um, be a little bit strategic more as far as getting that back. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to um, get it back the way they should have. Though they're probably a few years late in making those demands. But Nelson and Method Man, um, they're givers first. And they got and, and they, their hearts are always in the right place. So by the time they realize that they're people really stealing from them, if you will, literally going into their household, taking their couch out, taking the TV out, it was like a couple of years, almost too late. You know what I mean? So, but they're doing some strategic things now to make sure that people know who they are, what they are, what they're responsible for. Definitely. That's great. So um, also, if you want to maybe also touch in, uh, I know that you, you know, met uh, Nelson a couple of years ago in Vegas, along with, couple, you know, some Nike Talk uh, members. So I want to maybe, uh, you know, touch on that. Yeah. I mean, as I've gotten older, um, I've always realized that I got a grandfather out of this thing. And I had the opportunity to do something that a lot of people have not been able to do in their lives. And that's basically meet the godfather of whatever hobby or whatever you're into. So if you love hip hop, 
um, no matter what coast you're from, um, it would be an honor to meet someone like a Dr. Dre or a Russell Simmons or a Rick Rubin and be able to just sit down with them and have a conversation with, with them about anything you want to. And um, I made a point to make sure I took my credit card and, and, and booked whatever I had to book to go to Vegas because Nelson was going to be there and having the opportunity to tell someone eye to eye, man to man, face to face, thank you because you are a part of my fabric and a part of my foundation of everything in my life, you know, post high school, um, that was important to me. And I had the opportunity to do that. Um, and with everything going on now in the world with COVID and so forth, um, you never know what will happen to people when you, you are going to have the opportunity. So I was very um, tactful, intentional, and strategic on making sure I had the opportunity to meet the godfather of all of this directly and just say thank you. And that, that was my whole point, man. So um, again, um, I can die in peace now knowing I had the opportunity um, to do that. And that's what that really was all about. Meet, meeting everyone else and the camaraderie, it was basically old school. We basically hopped in everybody's cars and everyone treated each other. They knew each other for 10, 15, 20 years. Went to outlets, man. We ate, man. We talked about good, good old times and so forth. But my intention was to make, make sure that the Godfather was going to be there. I need to go meet the Godfather and just say thank you. And that was my whole point. And I was able to do that. Wow. I hope I, hope I get to meet the Godfather too. Um, I know that they're going to make another, do another summit um but hopefully down the road you know definitely i like to attend that so um another good question to ask uh uh kevin uh you're the type of person that does the work to find the good shoe deals uh in the area outside the area so you know that's pretty much been your forte you, you know i see you posted on your social media mm -hmm. uh can you go into detail on what your process is and the importance of finding a good deal definitely man i will say Foundationally, the game is to be sold, not to be told. So I'm not going to tell all my quote-unquote secrets. I could tell you that um, being in this game, I would say officially since 1991, since 2020, you can add those years up. Um, you, you learn to develop a whole lot of skills. So one thing that I lacked as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, and you got a lot of old Nike Talk posts that can attest to this, um, I lack patience. Um, a lot of times I lacked being humbled and a lot of times I lacked being um, as financially savvy as I possibly could be. And this game, how it evolved and how it exploded so quickly, um, I had to improve in those areas in order to maximize um, the benefits of this hobby. And that's not only in this hobby, but in my life as well. So a lot of things with me are parallels. So a lot of people may have different personalities and be like, look, I'm this way at church. I'm this way at work. I'm this way at home. I'm this way with my parents. Like, no, how I am is how I'm going to be because you got to be your true self in everything. And one thing that I've been able to do over the years is realize or kind of see the strategy of stores, um, see what comes out, be more cognizant as far as research and knowing when things are coming out. Um, because of my history of the game and my experience in the game, um, having the discernment, if you will, to know, okay, this is a shoe that if they release it, it's going to sit for a while. So maybe I could be patient instead of me paying X price, where it's going to sit in my closet for a year and a half anyway, just wait till it hits the outlet or wait until it hits the box. So um, just being very strategic with that and all that comes with experience. But at the end of the day, I can tell you that um, it's patience. Um, it's being humble. Um, it's a willingness to, uh, 
just take an L sometimes because usually we take, take an L, a W will come back around. Um, but the key, yeah, the key thing is definitely patience, experience, um, being humble. And um, I would say not making the same mistake twice. And once you have the history and you have the experience, um, you should grow from that. A lot of people don't, unfortunately, but I'm one of the people that I, I rarely make the same mistake twice. So I'm all about um, sharpening myself and being better. So me being an expert at how to go about things and being, I've been called a shoe weatherman before. A lot of people call me that. That's from the experience from trial and error um, over the years. So over time, man, I just but, but, but grandfathered myself into knowing how to go about things. And once you want something, you already know. In the world we live in, the people that we are, you're always going to have unlimited wants with limited resources. I don't care if you are, you know, a trillionaire. At some point, your money's going to run out. So how smart can you be to make sure you maximize your wants to make sure you are still within your means or your budget or, or what have you. And that's what it's all about, man. So you'll never catch me um, having an impulse buy. Um, thankfully with the game that we're in, it's easy to get rid of stuff. So unlike other hobbies where you buy something at yours and you may get 20% of what you paid with us, man, we could wear something and still get 80, 90% of what we paid, you know, because most things that we buy appreciate over time, even if used. So we're in a hobby that's a lot different than a whole lot of other hobbies, man. But with me, it's all about being strategic, knowing what you want, being intentional about what you want, but being realistic with yourself, knowing your budget, being patient and putting in the work, as you said, man, putting in the work is just um, being kind hearted to people, um, not having any kind of interior motives, um, knowing where to go, um, knowing how to actually approach people and so forth. And the key thing with me, Dan, is consistency. Um, a lot of people don't think long-term, so they think shoe for shoe and so forth. The one thing that I say has been my strength is my consistency and how I treat folks and um, how I've gone about things. So I always tell my, my, my dudes that I mentor, you can't tell me you're in a hobby for four, five, six, seven years and you still got to wait in the line. Or you still, if you have to wait in the line, I understand. But people should know your face and they should know your character and know that's a good thing. A lot of these guys that have been in this game for 10, 15, 17 years and still got to wait in, in, in the line and still got to deal with a whole bunch of drama, you, you have to ask what they have done or what they haven't done from a character standpoint because there's no way I'm being anything and I'd improve, whether it's my marriage, whether it's, it's fatherhood, whether it's my job. Um, you get in something for so long and usually if you're in this game, you're in this game for life. Um, you got to figure out a way to improve your character or, or your skills or, 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 you know what I'm saying, or yourself as a man or woman to, to maximize what you want in this game. And it's the thing is with me is once you get to that point, you realize you don't really want to need that much. So things come to me and give to me and so, so forth. And I usually give that stuff away. So with me, it's all about be, being a giver, being patient, but putting in the work. So a lot of times people will be on, you know, these cell phones and get on social media and then they're not out there in the real world. And you know, from what you and RJ do, you go out in the real world and you're like, yo, what the internet is saying, isn't necessarily true because I'm sitting there standing beside the shoe that's $59.99. People online saying you can't get it for less than $130. So still going out, out there and realizing that there's a world out there outside of the internet um, that may not uh, be, um, I'll, I'll say the internet is not as truthful as it can be at times. Mm -hmm. um, that, 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 those are the keys, man. And after a while, once you realize that this game is expensive, mm -hmm. um, now with the amount of releases, um, I really feel bad for anybody who's a teenager trying to get in this game and trying to maintain. It is, it can be daunting. It could be stressful. Um, it can be depressing trying to keep up with this thing. So you got to know what your limits are, be happy with your limits and know how to kind of just go about things um, as far as if you have to 
buy, sell, trade, that that's cool. Um, I can tell you that I don't buy or sell or trade to, you know, pay my mortgage or to pay my phone bill, man. It goes back into the game, whether I'm helping someone else or donating something else or buying something myself. Everything with me is going back into the game. So to me, this is always a hobby. Now you got your bulk buyers who basically their salary, if you will, is based off of sneakers. I'm, that, that's not me. So to me, if you're in the game, you're going to buy, sell, trade because whatever shoe you get, you, you, you can buy it, you can sell it, you, you can trade it. But the whole bulk buyer thing is a whole nother avenue. So I think people could get confused over a reseller versus a bulk buyer. I think we're all resellers for the most part because we all buy, sell, trade because how mm-hmm. are you going to survive in this game yeah. and be refreshed and re- renewed if you don't? You know, a lot of your trash, someone else's tra- treasure, why not sell it to get what you want? And that's the cycle of the game. So with me, man, it's patience going out there doing your work, but knowing people and people knowing you and having good character um, has got me farther along than anything. So that's the key thing that I'll tell folks, definitely. Man, that, that's, that's, those are some gems that you really drop. Um, and I, I know uh, what, what RJ would say, like he, in our past, um, past podcast, when we're talking about shoes, uh, there was a point where like, you know, where he wanted the shoes so bad that it really bothered him like the whole day. And, you know ruin his mood and you know over time like now it's like if i don't get it i don't get it you know mm-hmm. i think that we, we can i guess we can we can we know that we've experienced that at some point in our lives where like it bothered us so much that you know we can't get our size or it's sold out mm-hmm. or can't get mm-hmm. it anywhere but over time you know it's, it's a shoe you know there'll be a, a time and place for it and you know you know you never say never say never it, it'll come back to you that's wisdom. Yeah. And like, you know, it's funny, like we talk about this now and then you tell us about that 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Hey, we'd have no patience, man. At all. At all. We'd be so upset. Um, so yeah, th- thanks for that, for dropping those gems. Um, and I have to tell you too, like I actually got, um, you know, just by like going, you know, hanging out with you. I actually learned certain things about like being patient about like you know waiting for the right time that one time I went to iverson mall uh when we had those vandals right um those not those nike vandals for 29.99 i think it was mm-hmm. a jimmy jazz it was mm-hmm. on the left so you were like you know what you can take them no no hesitation like for real like you don't like you're not gonna like you know you can have the wop not will be mad you're not just take them and to me that that i was like man kevin's a he's a one man so. Well, let me t- well, since you're sharing that story, I'll share this story with folks. I'm not sure if you remember, but hopefully this will recall some things. Um, you mentioned Tommy, and um, him and I both had our daughters um, within the same time frame. We wanted them to have a kind of a relationship. So when we had our daughters, we got up, and Tommy was living in Baltimore at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, our families got together, and our wives um, are, are very, you know, they're cool as well. Um, but I, I met you. And this was, my daughter will be 13 in October. So this was every bit of 12 years ago. So both of our daughters were still in diapers. And you met me, um, it was either at Bowie Town Center or somewhere near Bowie Town Center. I remember. Where you, where you sold me um, the Carmine Sixes that came in at CDP pack. Yep. And the only reason why I still don't have those is because I had an incident in which um, I spilled either hot sauce, like literally I had a whole plate of food fall on that shoe. So... I want to thank you because you gave them to me, I think it was maybe 180 or something crazy like that, in which for the condition they were in and for the hype of that shoe, 
you really looked out for for me because I really wanted that yeah. shoe. I gave you the I gave you the whole pack, bro. Like it was less definitely. detail. Yeah, definitely. Like, so I appreciate yeah. that. And until this day, if it wasn't for me spilling a whole plate of food, <laughs> I would still have that shoe because, um, yeah, that meant a whole lot to me. In yeah. which that was one of the key moments in my life in which I realized that um, you had to be a good receiver as well because you would be like, no, that. Pro and I was, I remember I was pushing you like, dude, I could pay you, and you you were like, no, like. So I had to learn that. Um, that was my very first experience in realizing that how how would you feel if you were a giver and a person trying to give something to was acting the way you're acting. So you got to be a good receiver as well as a uh, willing to giver as well. So thank you for that. I never forget that, man. Just just going to time to say, hey, I got to meet Dan, man. We got to meet Dan in the morning, man. He got got his shoes. He's like, damn, like cool. And it's like you 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 refuse to take a dime more. And I appreciated that, man. Sir, so I never forget yeah. that. Yeah, I remember your wife. Well, your wife was in the passenger seat because you went you went out there. And then your wife is like, she's again? Like, yeah. Like, he, got a good, <laughs> he, he got a good deal, though. I said, I, I didn't tax him. Like, he, he got he got the 16 and 17, no problem. I just did. I just did. Yeah, yeah. Your wife is just, like, shaking her head. Like, <laughs> like I know. Another meetup. <laughs> another meetup. So, uh, another cool question. Um, I know you're a big fan of uh, the original Nike basketball sneakers. And you're also a big, since you're from D.C., born and raised, you're also a fan of the New Balance. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, those seems to be like hand in hand your top two favorites. Mm -hmm. uh, what makes those shoes unique from like the rest, like from as far as like shoe collecting and as far as like culture wise with those two shoes that, you know, first thing come into mind? Definitely. Well, you mentioned New Balance and the key thing with New Balance is um, you talk to any rep from New Balance, they would tell you that the Washington DC area was very particular um, as far as supporting them and supporting that brand. Um, it's the only non-runner before the collabs and everything now, of course, that's kind of exploded. Um, before the collabs with with all these rappers and Kanye wearing them and now everyone being a New Balance head all of a sudden. Before then, um, the Washington DC metropolitan area um, was uh, well known for being a non-running market. Um, but basically, um, <laughs> infusing a lot of money and funds into New Balance. They didn't understand how, didn't understand why, but that's just the area. So if you are from the Washington DC area, anything that's a 900 or, or above that, that that's gray, it's, it's a part of your fabric. It's just the fashion statement, if you will, um, of, of repping where you're from. And that's where the New Balance came from. On top of New Balances, even till this day, the quality has not changed at all. So they have not changed as far as me thinking of a New Balance 20 years ago to even now, um, the quality is always top notch with their stuff. So that's where it is. Again, being a product of where you're from. With Nike basketball, particularly Nike basketball retro, again, it's all about just um, when I grew up and the, again, I'm not to repeat myself, but just the marketing campaigns that were at this time um, well known, um, historic, and um, culturally influential, if you will, culturally significant, if you will. Um, and that's where all that comes from. So on top of the shoes being just greatly designed shoes, you talk about, you know, Lil Penny, or you talk about even the LeBron commercial with him, um, with, you know, at, at the pool with the different LeBrons, that was his uncle and the kid, or him with the, um, him and Kobe with the, um, with, with, with the dolls. And um, Nike did such an awesome thing with not only the shoes, but having the top athletes, but also knowing how to market and commercial them in a certain way. So it's certain historical commercials that, um, flow with the shoe on top of the athlete being great, on top of the athlete performing in a 
um, Hall of Fame way and so forth. So that's it, man. And again, I'm not wearing anything that's not going to be clean and going to be fresh. So Nike just had the greatest designers in the world. So when you have the greatest designers in the world, the greatest athletes in the world, and also the greatest marketing campaigns that till this day are still being looked upon and studied in schools of journalism and um, marketing and advertising, you know, you, you basically got, you know, the triple threat, right? Right, right there historically. So Nike basketball kind of had that on lock. And at one point people don't understand that um, Reebok, Avia, like at one point it was even across the board and somebody had to take that reign. And when Nike took it, um, particularly with Bo Jackson and, and with Mike, um, they soared and they never looked back. So everyone else is kind of following a second place now. And that's just what happened historically. That's what it's been. But with Nike basketball, man, um, it just can't be denied because of the designs, even to this day, that's continue to get remade and the colorways and so forth. The quality is what it is now. It's more nostalgia. But as far as with New Balance, definitely you can't go wrong. Once you get a pair, if you pay $180 for them, they're going to last you for 10 years. Um, even if you run in them, they're going to last you 10 years. So with New Balance, it's about being a part of the area, we're, we're repping the area because a lot of places I go, they're like, okay, he's wearing those. But again, now New Balance is now the thing now with celebrities and so so forth. But that's it, man. It's just, again, being a product of where I'm from, um, being a product of when where I was raised, and um, the era that I was in, man. But Nike basketball, they killed the game um, at the right time. And even now, you know, people YouTube those commercials and talk about those commercials and everything. And that's what it, what it is. So, um, yeah, all the way, Nike basketball and New, New Balance is just all that. That's DC all day. It's DC all day, definitely. Yep. Especially when, you know, um, Kevin, you know, if I want to share this, uh, I know that you had your shoes recently restored by a, you know, shout out to um, Hillary, uh Ron. Uh, he did a great, I saw, I saw those shoes that, you know, that, that well, how he restored them. And now I saw them on your feet, you know, like you got, you had those, uh, you had those, um, those obsidians that you had on and then those mm -hmm. charcoals. And Ron like, now, and Ron now has two more flat pods. So shout out to Ron, man. Like it's again, um, it's all about the connection. So through Dan, through Nike Talk, through someone I've known for almost 20 years, he just gave me his cosign. And with us, if we give you a reference, your reference is as good as it being that person. That's just old school. So once Dan hooked me up with Illyria, was like, yo, this is the guy you need, you need to get, get with. His word was good, and that's been that. So again, um, finding someone like Ron, who is old school in his philosophies and his approach and how he goes about things in his business has been a blessing. So I don't mind shipping him shoes to California, take as long as he needs to and gig him his money and get him back, man. Because um, again, he's keeping, as I say, my um, Humpty Dumpty's alive. Definitely. Cause those shoes are well over 20 years old. Um, th thankfully they don't have an air bubble. So you don't have to worry about that being right. a concern. Um, so that's the reason why um, I'll just keep sending myself to him to get restored or re-re-glued until again, until the Lord sends me home because that flight positive one and that silhouette um, is undeniably, I think the greatest shoe ever made, particularly being where I'm from and so forth, man, that zipper yep. and that shoe is everything to me. So um, yeah, shout out to Ron, man, for restoring um, my carbon fibers, um, my, um, I guess, pearl and, and navy flight positive ones, as well as um, the uh, charcoal and gray flight positive ones. And as you mentioned, obsidian and white fly positive ones which were full lock exclusive back in 99 uh -huh. um, so thank you ron i appreciate you man because yeah. you are keeping me alive and well and sane um doing that so i can wear those without them breaking down so shout out to anyone who needs to have anything restored 
or any kind of tabs um, redone or, or any kind of, uh, he does it all as far as the customization of school of shoes. So please shout out to Illyria and definitely follow him. I-L-L-E-R-Y. Um, yep, that's Instagram, that's him all the way. Yeah, he's good people. Yeah, like I said, I, I you know, when I told him, yeah, my, my friend uh, has some flight pause and he, he's had experience like, you know, restoring them. So I'm glad it all worked out for you. So kudos to, to that. And then for the record too, um, Kevin doesn't have the 2014 uh, carbons, not, not that screen printed one. It's the actual 99 carbon fiber, you know, old school Nike box, like in the flesh. And I play. I paid a pretty penny for them. Um, I I bought two pair off of a collector. Um, one guy well, I think was from Maryland. The other guy was from North Carolina. But um, I tell people you got to be strategic, and you have to be real with yourself. But you have to be honest with yourself as well. So I'm like, okay, fine. If I'm going to pay five hundred dollars for a shoe, I have to skip the next two Jordan releases. And I just say a Jordan release because hey, I'm not going to get them. I have to skip the next two Jordan releases that I really wanted. So I'm like, instead of paying two hundred retail for two pair of shoes, I'm gonna get this shoe now. And maybe I will, things will work out later on where it'll be a restock or whatever. And I will, but if you're going to pay a certain amount of money for a shoe, make sure that you are realistic and saying, I'm going to skip literally these other releases that I really, really want. Because a lot of people would trick their minds and say, well, I'm, I skipped the past five releases. You know damn well you didn't want them past five releases anyway. So don't go there. Like have, I, have my, I have my little, like, I would say a vision board of sneakers and being real, real with myself and my budget. But um, again, that was maybe what maybe three or four years ago. So you got to think at one point that school, that shoe was seeing a grand. So I waited until the demand went all the way down and I saw people starting to try to get rid of rhythm. And I'm like, how did two pair pop up within a month in my size? I've been looking for a shoe for over a year and a half. So again, you got to know the timing of when things are calling for you too, and realize that, Hey, you probably got enough stuff that if you look at stuff that you probably have not worn in a while, or you haven't prioritized, you probably can sell a few shoes to make up for what you want too. So that's another thing too, is just recycling the game, man. You're trash, somebody else's treasure. And you gotta prioritize, say, hey, if I want this shoe, I like that shoe, but I love that shoe. So let me go ahead and get rid of these four or five likes to make sure I get this one love. So sometimes it's about um, quality, not quantity. So that's another gem. But um, a lot of guys just aren't satisfied. They gotta have everything at all times. And that's, that's not me. I had to grow out of that um, quickly um, in yep. order to survive and be happy and be content in this game, man. It's like you mentioned with RJ, man, um, this game will stress you out. It will depress you um, because you got to think again, it's no limit out here. Literally, it's no limit. Like the amount of releases and the amount of things that come out now, you have to be strategic and you have to be pointed to know, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to get. Because you can't get everything, man. You just can't. It's impossible now, man. You can't get everything. No. You just can't. No. No, especially if you're going to be, if you get everything, you're caught as a, as a hype beast, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like Kev been, been wearing SBs like twenty nine ninety nine. you know what I mean? Like, people don't know, man. Like, Understood. Understood. You know, that, that's another story for another day. Understood. You know, we'll have to talk about that, you know, especially when RG comes back. Definitely, uh, definitely. So another, uh, another uh, question to ask you, uh, we know that you are a a, a true a DMV sports fan, um, and I you know I'll just skip the basketball. You know, we're all about football right now. What's your thoughts about the whole Washington football team? Uh, I know that you you address that in your social media, but uh, I just want to just hear it from you. Like, how do you feel about everything and, and how, where are things going to be? It's an embarrassment 
it's a tragedy. Um, you got to think, I was born in 1980 in Washington, D.C. So I grew up with Jack Kent Cook, um, who was the owner of the Redskins when we um, won Super Bowls that we won, all three of them. <laughs> I, I, I very, I faintly remember Super Bowl um, 17, faintly, but I do recall vividly, like, like yesterday, I recall Doug Williams Super Bowl 22. Um, I recall Mark Ripken in Super Bowl 26. I like I had I gambled on those games. I had seven dollars to my name, and I remember betting seven dollars that we were going to beat Buffalo. We were going to beat Denver in both of those games. So those games, and that's what so that's my childhood. Um, unfortunately, my my daughter, even my younger brothers, I have a brother that's 20 and another brother that's uh, 22. They just know us as you know the dead skins is what what they call us. They don't have that foundation because of um, Snyder and although we've been one of the most profitable teams um, in the nation for years um, because of our loyal fan base. But you got to think, man, we've already been through this before with the Washington Bullets changing to the Wizards and so forth. And Dan Snyder is very um, pig-headed when it comes to business. Most people are. That's why they are successful businessmen. But I think it all came down to um, the fellow who actually had all the trademarks and basically publicly said that he would give them away for free. Snyder just had to ask him for them, and it was no problem. Snyder was too picky to even ask him for the trademarks that he actually already owned. And that's what thing it all boiled down to. So for us to not have a name, um, it's embarrassing, man. But again, being a part of DC Sports, um, again, I was raised to stick with the home teams. So no matter what, you stick with the home team. So I am a Washington Wizards. I'm a Washington football team now. I am a Nationals, I am a Capitals, I'm a Mystics fan. That's just the way I was raised, you know, for good, bad, ugly, stick with, with, with your home teams. Um, but it's, I am very vexed right now um, because this is, I am concerned about how we are seen universally, nationwide and worldwide, given that you have so many teams that have moved, you have so many expansion teams that it was like, Nothing to it. You had a press conference. You revealed what the logo was going to be. You revealed the name, and you go from there. And um, but it's become about business still with the fellow that actually has all the trademarks, basically of what they were considering or wanted the name to be. Um, calling us to watch the football team, man. The memes that went that went out, the texts that I received, the phone calls I received. It's you know me, Dan. You know I'm Mr. Talkative, man. And it's very very rare when I can't be defensive or defend things at all. And Snyder made up it that day last week where I could not defend or say anything with all of the criticism and all of the shots that I was taking. I had to take them all because I couldn't say anything. It was not, not nothing for me to say. Um, so that's where we, I am as a fan. And it totally sucks. So with me, quite frankly, and I said this on my social media page, um, I'm very sensitive to the name. Um, I'm very aware. As times change, you have to evolve and, and realize the sensitivity of things. But that logo, that emblem, whatever you want to call it, of that red skin um, was defined differently with me being from D.C. as a kid. That red skin logo meant heritage, it meant pride, it meant survival, it meant being powerful, um, it meant being content, it meant being patient. Like, it's so many other characteristics um, with, that that logo meant for me as a kid and as a teenager and as a fan it's kind of got twisted into that name being what it is. And I get it. Um, but um, again, I was raised differently. 
Um, it, it, it was advertised to me differently, and that, 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 that's my foundation. So I'm going to be a Redskins fan until we become competitive again. So we changed the name, and things don't change. You know, under the Redskins name, we got three rings, baby. Under the Redskins name, we, we had Sean Taylor. We had Daryl Green. We had Doug Williams. We had Art Monk. We had Gary Clark. We had Joe Boss. Like, that's, that's my foundation. So I'm keeping that, and no one can take that from me because I invested too much money. I invested too much time. This is my entire life, if you will childhood, teenage, and adulthood, um, being a fan of the Washington team. So the fact that they didn't do things properly, um, it's all business. And I am a diehard fan. I'm not, I can't be about business right now, man. You want to look, look at business, look at the money I've invested with what you see behind you with all these jerseys and, and these um, Super Bowl rings I got behind me and helmets. And, and like, I'm, I'm a fan, man, but um, I get it, I understand. But we should have went about it, we meaning Snyder, because he's the owner. Um, you could have went about it an entire different way he didn't and at the end of the day again i'll repeat it's embarrassing embarrassing no question that's all i can say about it yeah you pretty much said everything um that i that i feel because like i said for me i already accepted it already there's a lot of you know racial tension social social and um you know racial injustice going on um and you know it for me too like it's like a part of you died, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A part of you died when that when they, you know, uh, said goodbye to the Redskins name. Because mm-hmm. all, all you remember, like you, when you were a child, you didn't remember about being like racism or being a racist. All you cared about was that football team on Sundays. RFK was jumping mm-hmm. every Sunday. They were home. Yep. I'm talking about going down East Capitol Street. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, man, between – um, Benton Road and 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 East Capitol going from uptown to Florida Avenue, man. It's again, um, yeah. It, it's and, and and FedEx is cool, but FedEx is not RFK Stadium. No. Um, so um, it's some changes that have to be made. This being one of them, and I wish they would have went about it in an entirely different way. Um, but I think it came down to that guy owning the trademarks and Snyder saying, "I'm not asking anyone for anything." You know who I am, and that's one of those things in which. Um, you know, he owns a team. He can do what he is the owner. So I just don't rock with the owner now um, at this point in time. I, I just don't. No one is. <laughs> so everybody feels the same way. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're pretty much narrowing down, you know, towards our couple questions. Um, so how are things different with the current state of sneakers and how it, and how it was back in the day? Like, you know, your honest opinion. <sighs> Honestly, man, to keep it, not to be too long-winded, um, the selfishness, the greed, the entitlement, and just um, people, I would say, conforming to being frauds. Um, I'm a very spiritual guy. Um, I do believe in a higher power, and I do believe that um, everyone at birth is a giver, is kind. A lot of things are in our DNA, but um, you have to either be taught or you have to want to do something um, that's evil or, or, or cruel or not know any better or, or, or not be trained a certain way. And I think that the fraud and the greed and the selfishness of folks um, have really changed the game and it's made things um, ugly, if you will, in the hobby. It's kind of giving it a black eye and it's all across the board. So I can't be your old head and say, you kids are doing this, you kids are doing that. Because I can tell you right now, I can name to you five or six 40-year-olds um, that are conformed to this BS. I can tell you that it's a lot of people I don't rock with now, and I'm not saying any names that you guys know who are very famous on IG now, who, you know, on Nike Talk 10, 15 years ago, 
were notorious for defrauding people. Um, and I'll leave it at that. And, and they know who they are. And I'm not saying that over time, um, heals, I mean, wounds aren't healed, but they didn't do the right thing to make sure um, the forgiveness could be divine. I always put it like that. So I realized with this game, I don't forget a name. I don't forget a scenario. And a lot of guys due to Instagram, due to time can now, I will say, uh, reform their um, character, if you will, and be something completely different, something completely new. Um, when I'm like, dude, I, I knew that dude 10 years. Let me tell you about something he did that he did not clear up, that he did not correct. And that's the reason why I'm very strategic um, about who I am connected to, who I talk to, who I'm attached with, because um, a lot of these guys out here, man, um, were just dirty. <laughs> I'm talking about they were 20, 25 years old, robbing 16, 17 year olds. And now, you know, a few years later, you're on IG and you're a Nike employee or you're in California in Hollywood and you gave yourself a new, new name and you have a million followers and those people don't have a clue about your character or what you did to get where you, where you are. So I don't rock with a lot of folks. And that's what's going on in this hobby um, in which people don't have an identity and they don't have an identity that's um, positive and that's um, God-like. And I hate to say that because I sound kind of self-righteous, but that's what, that's what, that's where I stand. And if you don't like it, then fine. That's where I'm at. And that's how I've, I've kind of always been. Um, I'm not saying there wasn't issues before in the hobby, but it was the minority. And I think that the pendulum has now changed um, because with these bots and with everyone, like you said, um, guys are really like losing sleep over a release. So it gets to the point that it becomes almost like the streets. What are you going to do to get what you want? So it eventually, hate to say this because it sounds kind of harsh, a sneakerhead becomes a crackhead. They become a meth head. They become equivalent to a heroin addict because that's how you approach things. But you think because of sneakers, then it's not that bad. Yeah, if you look at your characteristics and how you're going about things, it is that bad. You're selling your soul. You're selling your family. You're stealing to get what you want. You're no different than anyone out here that's an addict that needs to get help. And that's what's going on a whole lot in this hobby. But it's being masked because it's sneakers. You know what I mean? So um, unfortunately, that's what's going on. And a lot of, of kids that are coming up now, they don't have the opportunity to not be off of social media. So they don't have the opportunity to see what their strengths and weaknesses are or what their development may be or what their personality is. So they fall into what they think is hot or popular. So whatever rapper is hot, they're going to follow that. Whatever sneaker is hot, that's what they're going to go for because they're looking for, instead of establishing their own identity, knowing that God made them unique and distinctive in their own right, they don't have the opportunity because they're so pressed about wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard, wanting to be popular, wanting to be known, um, wanting to be a like, if you will. So that like button on Instagram, you know, some people lives depend on that, man. <laughs> so what are you going, what is it worth to you to make sure you get those likes? And I'm telling you, man, I've seen a lot of criminal behavior and a whole lot of corruption and a whole lot of unethical behavior with folks trying to, try to get them like buttons or trying to get them um, yeah. follows and trying to get their reputation, man. And it is sad. It is sad. Yeah, well, at least, like I said, like, what's most important, like you always say, just stay true to yourself. You know what's wrong, what's right. You know, you don't have to be a sheep. You just do your, you know, follow what's, what, you know, what makes you happy. Indeed. Yeah. So very last question, Kevin, and I do appreciate um, the time. That oh, no problem. Um, so last question for you. Ask me a question. Definitely. Um, I just wanted to ask you as far as 
um, how you have evolved in the sneaker game. Um, where are you now as a husband, as a dad, compared to 10 years ago as far as how you go about um, obtaining your stuff, how you go about even when you see something you want it and you're not losing sleep over not getting it. Like how have things changed or, or evolved and where you are in a hobby right now as compared to 10 years ago? That's a good question. So, you know, when I was single, had no wife, no kid, of course, like I was all about like myself, you know, me and RJ, we would go, we would, you know, strategic, all right, let's go. We're going to camp out. We're going to wait, you know, X amount of hours. You know what I mean? And, you know, we did it respectfully. Like we knew the manager, the manager knew us. So like we had our lines uh, for ourselves. So, you know, we did our own thing. Um, and, you know, material, materialistically, you know, of course it accumulated for us and, you know, uh, over time I knew at some point these shoes, you know, they're not going to last forever for me. So what I did was like, when I moved out here to California, um, I sold about, I'd say about a third or two thirds of my shoes for a down payment for a house. There you go. My wife. Been there. Yeah. You know, (laughs) so like. Nobody, like, nobody told me to do it. My wife didn't tell me to do it. Like, I knew that I had monetary value, like, with these shoes. Because I knew at some point, these, these like, these, these new buffs, this suede, this leather, it's going to fall apart at some point. So, mm-hmm. I'm, the time is ticking. I'm, I might as well just sell it for profit, let someone else, like, have these good memories with, uh, you know, with these shoes. Um, and, you know, I can't speak with RJ, but... Um, Perhaps he may have some. He may have went through something as well, where he sold like a majority of his shoes. Where it was, it was time for him to just move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like comparing like now, uh, you know, like what I was saying, like if I don't get the shoe, you know, I'm not gonna lose sleep on it. Um, and you, like I said, like just like RJ, like I would be bothered like if I don't get a pair, or it doesn't get if I don't get my size, or I can't attain it. You know, that would that would really like upset me. But knowing now that, you know, I have a family, it's better for me to just use my energy towards like, you know, reading with my kid or like, you know, like taking my family, like cooking for them at home um, or you know, going to Disneyland, like before the whole pandemic thing, those small things, like it made me realize, you know what, like uh, I had these memories with these shoes. These shoes actually put a roof under my head you know, I'm very thankful, like, for these memories that I had, um, and, you know, I just have to, all, like, like, me and RJ, we always talk about, like, these memories that we have with shoes, uh, we always talk about, like, um, you know, like, the Nike talk, like, uh, Outlet Thread, right, that was, like, 100%, like, I would say a lot more, majority of the shoes that I accumulated came from that, a lot Mm -hmm. of people, to this day, they don't believe, and, you know, you know about that, Kev, like, People didn't know, like, we bought Air Max ones for $29.99. And I know you you still got your pairs. I know you still got your pairs. I have the receipt to prove it. I have the 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 receipt to prove it. So, like, of course, like, there was, it was time for me to, you know, make my money, flip them, make, you know, make what makes what's used to it, and then, you know, buy a home. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have no regrets. Like, I had all these memories with these shoes. Um... You know, and for me, like, it made me mature, too, as a, you know, as a better person. Um, you know, like I said, I still like shoes to this day. Uh, I still buy shoes, but not as much. But, you know, like I said, um, I get excited when I see a shoe. But if I don't, if 
I don't get it. I don't get it. Understood. So you know, you know, you feel the same way, right? <laughs> A thousand percent, man. It's it's all about the evolution of growing up, and um, when you grow up, man, you talk about wisdom and experience, and you realize your 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 priorities change. Um, and and that's a great thing because all I'm hearing is is growth and that's yeah. what you want to do and that's the evolution of of man you know you don't want to be in the same spot you know at 35 40 that you were 18 and 19 you know what went wrong those 20 years so um again shoes um pay for my honeymoon um shoes were a part of us getting out of a couple of financial disasters that we were unexpected and it was instant it wasn't it was one of the things which you had to say, okay, fine, how much this stuff mean to me? My family's on the line or my honeymoon's on the line or, um, you know, we got, we had this huge house repair. Like, let, let me go and get rid of four or five things. And like you said, at any time, um, you can get those things back. But then you realize, like, I had my time and that was that era. You know what I mean? So I get it. And, and the thing is, again, like I mentioned earlier, maybe half an hour or so ago, we're in a very distinctive hobby in which you have the opportunity to get 70 to 80% back of what you actually paid sometimes a hundred sometimes over a hundred percent because you may have something that have appreciated a whole lot more used than what you paid retail you you know so that's the game that we're in but with that p people are starting to realize the money that's involved and and agreed and so forth but um this is a very particular hobby so when people talk about you know going out to eat and this that and the third i'm like no i'm cool i will go buy the sneaker because i know i have something to eat that's going to either maintain or appreciate in value and that's what we have. So your story is very similar to mine and a lot of other people's, man, in which um, you had this perfect timing in which before those shoes fell, fell, fell apart or they um, were remade so the value went, went down, you executed um, your, your smarts, your intelligence, and your timeliness um, into doing something that was bigger that would appreciate, which is a home, which is what yep. it's all about. You didn't put it into a motorcycle or to you know, a Cadillac yeah. or, or, so, or yeah. something that you already know that it that, that's going it's going to be gone in a few few years. So um, definitely, man, it, it shows you the evolution of, of your maturity, man. It's good to hear that because that story, um, you, I like to hear that story as opposed to other stories that I've heard uh, from other folks. That's for <laughs> sure. I'm not, I'm not going there yet. <laughs> yeah, took all those shoes, took all those shoes and bought a used Beamer that lasted you all the five years. You know what I mean? So yeah. All right. Well, like I said, you know, we definitely appreciate uh, Kevin uh, for taking the time for, you know, listening to your stories and, you know, it's, it's it, and also learning a few new things about what you went through and, you know, what humbled you to where you are today. Uh, we definitely want you to get, you know, we will get you back uh, for another round, especially, you Please. know, RJ, RJ has a lot of questions for, regarding like Please. Nike basketball. He's a yeah, big Nike basketball head. Understood, man. Just it's an honor and a privilege again. Love you guys' podcast, what you guys are doing. We haven't even touched the surface yet, as far as oh, my right. beef with my beef, my beef with celebrities, and it's oh, yeah, we gotta, it's, we gotta go through that, man. Yeah, we, yeah, we have we have touched the surface on a whole bunch of stuff as far as with Nike talk, definitely. But looking forward to, it, man. I realize it's already been over an hour and a half, man. It's kind of crazy, but looking forward to it, man. Anything I can do for you guys as far as the oh. podcast and so forth, I'm here. I oh, appreciate it. Well, once again, what, what's your um, what's your uh, social media handle, uh, Kevin? Gosh, man, um, that's my first time ever doing this. I think it's so cliche when I hear people do this. Now I'm, I'm doing this for the first time ever. Um, I am on Instagram. I am, I show how old I am. Let me go to Instagram now so I can give you the right handle. I'm, just, I'm really showing my age now. If I got to go oh, look cool. up my handle. You got to come correct. 
oh my gosh, no, this is all age right here. Cause I just it was one o'clock in the morning here, one thirty <laughs> to be exact in East coast. And I've lost my mind. Um, my handle is, uh, EOH underscore Nike talk underscore OG. So I'm eyes of hate. So I kept my same screen name as it was back then. Nike talk, but it's E O H. Um, those letters underscore Nike talk N I K E T A L K underscore O G E O H underscore Nike talk underscore O G. And it's basically a page dedicated to, um, a love of sneakers and a love of, um, music and everything that goes in between those, um, two things. So, um, you know, I keep it light and, and, and that's, that's what it is. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, once again, um, you know, we, we definitely going to get you back here. Um, like I said, uh, RJ does want to come back <laughs> to, to get Understood. you back. Yeah. So yeah. So signing off, this is uh, Dan and we got Kevin. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.